Good morning. For uh, any of you that uh, I don't know, my name is John Ashton, uh, one of our elders here. And uh, in Tim's absence, I'm going to be opening the word for us and hopefully opening it faithfully so that whatever I say, there may be some of my opinions mixed in, and I sure try and make it very clear when I'm just expressing my own opinions, but that it would be uh, clear what's in God's Word, and then what my opinions are should be hopefully very dim and secondary by comparison. But um, one of the reasons I'm saying that is because the topic I'm talking about today, the topic we're going to talk about is... uh, Husbands and wives in marriage. So uh, I figured I didn't want any rotten vegetables or anything coming my way. But uh, and I was trying to think of how, to, how do I introduce this subject. And uh, I was coming up a little short on that until about a week and a half ago. I went uh, with the Classical Conversations homeschool group. I had a field trip down to the Philadelphia Orchestra. It was a fabulous time. Um, But we got there, we took uh, the train down, a bunch of us, and got to Suburban Station, and we had about 30 little kids, and a pretty short walk down to the Kimmel Center, and quite a bit of time. So we we had to figure out, what are we going to do? And so Heather said, well, just, you know, point some things out, Heather Adler. So just point some things out for the kids. So we get to to, um, City Hall there, and we're coming up on City Hall, and I look up at the William Penn statue on top, and... So I say to the kids, can anybody tell me who's up on top of City Hall there? Who's that statue of? So there's a guess or two. One of the little girls says, Jesus. <laughs> I thought, wow, this is just like Sunday school. <laughs> but the reason I thought that was worth bringing up right now is because as we look at these things that God has in his word about how wives are to be treating their husbands and how husbands are to be treating their wives, it all comes back to Jesus. It doesn't say for women, well, because your husband's a good guy or because he needs this or whatever. It says, because what I've done, I want you to do this. For the husband, it says, like I've done, I want you to do this. And so that was also the reason I felt like this was a, a good subject because Obviously, not everybody in this room is married. Stephen, my 12-year-old son, is not married. Uh, Plenty of other people are not married, maybe have been married and aren't married anymore. But um, so so I just want that as that's sort of a backdrop for everything we're going to talk about today, is it all comes back to where we are with Christ. So if you think about what is said about husbands and wives in marriage, there's a lot of... um, I don't know how to, how to describe it. There's a lot of bad information out there, let me just say. I was looking through some articles, you know, as I was searching on a couple things about, well, this is what it means. Well, this is what it means. But the problem with most of those statements was they were saying, this is what it means because I feel this way. Uh, instead of, this is what it means because this is what the Bible says. So I'm going to try as fairly as I can to present what the Bible says. on. But first, before we look at how a, one, how a wife treats a husband or how a husband treats a wife, I think it's important that we look at how a godly person is because there's a whole lot more that's the same than there is different in these things. So, so you know, if you think about what's the same, well, Christ died for all of us. We're not like some false religions where 
the husbands have to pick a wife that gets to come to heaven with them. Jesus didn't teach anything like that. He died for women. He died for men. No difference. He tells us that we are co-heirs in the great promises that he has for us, men and women alike, that there's no second-class citizen in God's economy. There's no men are the higher up, women are the lower down. There's nothing like that. That's totally contrary to what Jesus teaches and what he used other people, what the Spirit spoke through other men to, uh, to write in the Bible. So as our backdrop, starting point is we've all got all this stuff that we know is true from Christ. Now, how do we apply it? How do we apply it? What are the distinctions that, as a woman is thinking about how to live with her husband, that are important from God's Word? As a, as a man is living with his wife, what are important things? And what do those things show us about Christ? So, the, uh, before we read our first passage here, let's, uh, would you just join me and we'll pray. Our Heavenly Father, your goodness is just so, so rich. We can't even begin to understand your goodness to us. But Lord, thank you for the little bits of it that we can understand, that you give us eyes to see and ears to hear. Lord, as we look at your word this morning, we just ask that you would make things clear to us. God, I ask that any of my words would not distract from your truth, that your truth would be evident, that it would inspire us, that it would challenge us, that we would each go away encouraged, inspired, challenged, whatever it is you have for us, but it would be by your spirit, through your word, and despite any of the weaknesses of my own speech. And Lord, we just ask these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. So, Joe, I can move this out of the way, right? Okay. I feel like I'm going to hit it. Okay. So, first passage we're going to look at is 1 Peter chapter 3, starting in verse 1. So, I think, since I've been saying so much about the word, the word, not my comments... If you have your phone or your Bible and you can open to it, I'd really encourage you to do that rather than just listening to my reading of it. I think it's, uh, it's, it's beneficial. So I'll just give a second for people to get there. 1 Peter chapter 3. It's on page 181. No, just <laughs> in this particular. Actually, how can that be page 181? Oh, the page numbers start over in the New Testament in this Bible. Okay. <laughs> so 1 Peter 3. In the same way, and we'll go back to see what the same way was. In the same way, you wives, be submissive to your own husbands, so that even if any of them are disobedient to the word, they may be won without a word by the behavior of their wives, as they observe your chaste and respectful behavior. Your adornment must not merely be, excuse me, be merely external, braiding the hair and wearing gold jewelry or putting on dresses, but let it be the hidden person of the heart, with the imperishable quality of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is precious in the sight of God. For in this way, in former times, the holy women also, who hoped in God, used to adorn themselves, being submissive to their own husbands, just as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, and you have become her children if you do what is right without being frightened by any fear. So that's the end of my highlighting. No, just kidding. (laughs) Um, So, but we are going to pause 
here and, and dig into that. And then we'll move on to, you know, husbands, you're not off scot-free here. We'll move on to you. But, and, and I'm doing that really kind of intentionally to reinforce there's nothing in here that says, because your husband's a great guy, because your husband's a godly man, because your husband makes it easy for you to follow. There's nothing there. This is between you and your Lord and how you carry out yourself in that family that you're part of. So if we think about what is, what's he say about why? First, that'd be the first question in my mind. If I was a woman, I'd be thinking, why should I submit to this guy? Right? I mean, I love him and all, but, you know, he does some dopey stuff. So why should I submit to this guy? And some of the answer is right here. I mean, it's right in here. For example, you know, he says, um, so that, right? That's kind of a why kind of thing for basic reading comprehension in verse 1. So that even if any of them are disobedient to the word, they may be won without a word by the behavior of their wives. So that's a powerful thing that God says, here's how you as a wife can be used, or here's at least a way that you can be used to bring your husband to that spot that God wants him to be, to help him become that godly man that God is wanting to build him into. And, um, you know, another thing about why would we do that is just turning over to Ephesians 5, 23. And if you want to keep your finger there in 1 John, because we will get to the husbands too. Um, But over in uh, Ephesians 5, chapter 20, or excuse me, Ephesians chapter 5, starting in verse 22, says, Wives, be subject to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ also is the head of the church. He himself being the Savior of the body, not husband being it, but Christ being the Savior of the the body of the church. Um, But as as the church is subject to Christ, so also wives ought to be subject to husbands and everything. And then we'll we'll get to the husbands separately after. Um, So there's a sense of of leadership that when God, how is God going to lead my family? Well, and we'll come back to you guys and the, the responsibility this places on us as husbands, but that God says he's put that man as the head of the house, and so how is he going to lead your family? So that's part of the why, is to see God's leading in your family. So then, then the question is how. You know, in, in Ephesians it says, as Christ is subject to the, or excuse me, as the church is subject to Christ. But I think what I'd like to focus on here is, if you look back to the day when this was written, um, you know, women didn't have the same social standing that women fortunately have today here in America, right? I mean, it was more like in many places in the Middle East today. Women just didn't have that standing. And so what God says to wives here in, back in First Peter, um, he says... At the end of verse 6, if you do what is right without being frightened by any fear. Well, why, why wouldn't you be in that culture afraid of some of those situations? I mean, naturally I would. If I was in that situation, now I'm, I'm 
not a wife, never have been, but, and I've never lived in those kind of cultures, but if I was, I think I would, apart from the fact that this is God saying, here's how I want it to work, and this is between you and me. This is between you and me, not uh, more so than it's between you and your husband. And so that's the only way we have not to be fearful. I mean, we, we have a world full of anxiety problems. And just to be very blunt, if you're here in this room and you do not know Christ, you haven't put your faith in him, be anxious. You should be anxious. God is the only one who gives us any reason not to be anxious. Otherwise, we should be terrified our whole life because each breath could be our last. And as a believer, we know that each breath could be our last, but glorious things await. So that's, it's between you and the Lord more so than it's between you and your husband. So now those things I think are all pretty clear directly from the word. Now, just for what, what is that effect? And this, a little bit of this is my, just my own thoughts. So if you find that they're contrary, please take them just as, as my thoughts for you to consider. But as a wife, when you give that kind of respect to your husband, what does that do for him? What does that do when a man is trying to do Let's, say, let's take the situation. We already saw where Jesus spoke directly to if the guy's not going the right way with stuff, what, an, what effect it may have. But let's take the guy who's trying to do the right things. When Marla submits to something because I think it's the right way for our family, I can tell you what it does for me. It tells me, man, you better be following the Lord here. You better be looking diligently to make sure this isn't just John's selfishness, that this is really, that this isn't John's pride, that this isn't John's, I'm just the man. You better be making sure that you are looking to, to God and saying, what can I do? Is this, you know, is this really the right thing? And the other thing is, boy, it makes you feel loved. It makes you feel like, wow, she really, this, it just, I, it's hard to describe, but I'm sure if you've been in a situation where somebody submits to your leadership for, for any reason, any different type of thing, when they don't have to, it gives you a sense of, hey, I, I think I can do this. It gives you a humbling sense, but it's also a sense of, okay, let's, you know, I, th- I think maybe I can do this. It, there's there's a, a really a rich, rich blessing that you give to your husband when you do that. So, um, like I said, that's my thoughts. If you disagree with that, that's fine. I might be wrong. But the other things, if you disagree with them, talk to God because he said I'm not me, okay? Um, and then uh, <clears throat> the other thing is, through these, especially the, the passage in Ephesians, and I'd encourage you to, to really look at it deeply, is that these behaviors, when we exhibit these behaviors on both sides, we haven't gotten to the guys yet, but on both sides, it paints a picture for the world of Christ and the church. It's in the, the passage in First Peter, 
He's talking before that about how Jesus suffered unjustly. But, and in the same way, we're to give ourselves up is the idea because it paints a picture of God and his love for the church and his love for, for all of us as the church. So now, guys, it's our turn. Um, <laughs> so let's read on because actually I can say I don't have any highlighting in here on the girls' section or the guys' section. So let's, let's continue on in First Peter 3. You husbands in the same way, and the in the same way went back to, I, I really, I should have pointed out earlier, that where it says, in the same way, when it's talking about wives, in the same way, you wives be submissive. Peter in chapter, 1 Peter in chapter 2, he goes through, he talks about us being living stones, built up into this house, that we're a royal priesthood. Like I said, it doesn't say men, you're being built into a royal priesthood. It doesn't say women, it says us, okay? Being built, we're all these living stones being built up into this royal priesthood. And that it goes on to, to talk about submitting to authorities, servants submitting to their masters. And then it, it goes on and it says how Christ was obedient to death and, and suffered unjustly at the hands of men for our sin, right? I mean, we better put ourselves in that bucket, right? Just like the thief on the cross who was cursing him at the beginning of the day, but as he watched him, his heart was turned, and uh, we'll see him in heaven someday. I mean, I don't know if we'll recognize him, but he'll be there, um, that thief. And so, so as we're looking here, in that same way, that same way that Christ gave up himself, it says, you husbands, in the same way, Live with your wives in an understanding way as with someone weaker since she is a woman and show her honor as a fellow heir of the grace of life so that your prayers will not be hindered. Okay, well, I have one easy question for us all to consider. Guys, if you and your wives are fussing with each other, how's your prayer time? If you're like me, it's not as good, right? I mean, if you're if you're all worked up with your wife, are you really talking to the Lord? Are you humbly putting himself be, yourself before him? Or are you totally distracted? And maybe you're saying, God, this woman's driving me crazy. I can't do anything right. What am I doing wrong? Okay? But so that your prayers will not be hindered. Love your wife in this kind of way. And let's Let's move over to, back to Ephesians. We're flipping back and forth here a bunch, I know. Um, that's why I couldn't use the phone today, because when I use the phone, I try and flip back and forth. It takes me forever. So I had to go back to the old paper. Um, so what it says for the, the husbands here in chapter 5 or of Ephesians, starting with verse 25, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her. So that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the wa- okay. So, having cleansed her by the washing of water and the word, so that Christ sanctifying the church. But I think there is a parallel for us to think about here, and we all know Jesus died for us. He was brutally, horribly murdered, so that we could be reconciled to God. So we all know that piece, but the piece that 
is, uh, I think it's lost in the wash for me sometimes, and maybe not for other people, but I'm sure probably if it is for me, there's probably somebody else here, is all his life before that. He didn't get married and have a family. He didn't pursue ambition and career. He didn't do all that stuff. He gave himself up to service. So just as a, as a little sideline here, I wanted us to take a quick skim, and you don't, you don't really have to turn here, but in Matthew 14, there's a passage where Jesus has just gotten the news about John the Baptist, his cousin, being beheaded, okay? And so picking that story up, it says that, um, now when Jesus heard about John, he withdrew from there in a boat to a secluded place by himself, okay? So he's trying to get away to have some some me time, some alone time, just to to be able to pray, whatever he's going to do. Um, and then it says, um, excuse me for losing my place there. So he went to a secluded place by himself. This is in verse 13. And when the people heard of this, they followed him on foot from the cities. When he went ashore, so now he went to the secluded place, but by the time he gets there, the people beat him there. They're already there. And... Um, they, it says, when he, when he went ashore, um, he saw a large crowd and felt compassion for them and healed their sick. So husband or dad, you just had a really rough day at work or a really difficult thing. You got home. All you want to do is sit down for a few minutes. But there's other needs around you. So what does he do? So he felt compassion on me, healed their sick. And now this goes on till evening time. I don't know what time it was he landed, but it goes on till evening time. The disciples say, you better send everybody away to get some bread. And instead, he says, no, you feed them. And it's the miracle where he feeds the 5,000. So he gets all this done. Now, meanwhile, he's never had that downtime, right? He never had that time that he left for. Instead, he's been pouring himself out all day long. And so what does he do? He takes care of his disciples. He says, okay, you guys get in the boat and head on across. I'll dismiss the crowds. So he does all that. He dismisses the crowd, putting himself behind the needs of everybody else. And now he comes trekking across the lake in the middle of the night. The guys are, are out there in the water. It's kind of tough going. It's, it's windy. And uh, as he's getting out there to him. They, they're afraid, they cry out, they say, um, yeah, I guess they say, it's a ghost, and they cried out in fear. Immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, take courage, it is I, do not be afraid. I'm not sure how settled I'd have been right at that moment until <laughs> I figured out it was really him. But it seems pretty clear that God must have been putting something in Peter's head because why in the world? Now, now picture yourself. There's no lights around or anything. Maybe there's some little lantern on the boat. I don't know. But there's no electric lighting or anything. You're in the middle of a wavy lake at nighttime, and it's dark, dark. There's enough light that you're just able to see this guy coming across that for all you can see, it looks like it's maybe a ghost or something. And <laughs> Peter says, and this is, this is the most incredible thing to me. He says, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. Okay, tell me, honestly, is there anybody in this room who would have had any inkling to say, 
Jesus, if it's you, not a ghost, tell me to come to you on the water. I'll see a show of hands. Anybody? Anybody would that have occurred to? Not me, that's for sure. So Peter, a lot of times this is uh, described as an illustration of somebody lacking faith. Because Peter gets out there and he starts walking across towards Jesus. And um, so he's actually walking on the water. I don't know what kind of traction you get. I don't know how that feels. Because he's the only guy to have ever walked on water other than Jesus. There were two people made it to heaven without dying. There was only one who got to walk on water other than Jesus, okay? Um, so as he's doing that, he, he, you know, starts, he gets worried. He starts sinking, and Jesus takes his hand and gets him all squared away and says, ah, oh, you guys, you know, a little faith. But I have to picture, what was Jesus thinking when Peter said, okay, here I come. I'm walking out of the water. You know, he didn't even, like... He just got out of the boat and starts walking in the water in the middle of the night. You know, <laughs> he didn't have a life jacket on, I don't think. So he does this, and I have to think that there is an aspect that Jesus was smiling really wide when Peter did that. Because who in the world, other than Jesus telling him to do it, would just go stepping out of the boat into the water as if they're going to stay up on top of it? And so I look at that as an example of Christ loving the church and an aspect of sanctification happening there. Peter's faith, yeah, he, he, got, he got afraid and, and he kind of slid back and, oh, no, and started sinking. But Peter stepped out of the boat. And it was, I believe, it, there has to be a connection between how God, how Jesus was just loving those guys through that day and demonstrating that love to them all day long. And for all of us, that's a picture of how we should love. But husbands in particular, that's how we're supposed to love our, li- our wives, sacrificially. We're supposed to love our wives so that we can be one of the tools God uses to make our wives the beautiful person that they are going to be, that they can reach whatever potential he has for them on this earth as a beautiful woman of God. And when I say beautiful, like it said in First Peter, it's not about braided hair. It's not about the makeup. It's, not, it's the inward character of a heart that's set. It doesn't matter if you've got no hair, gray hair, whatever hair. It's, it's that inward quality. And husbands recognize this is your charge. You have a charge here to play a role in your wife becoming everything she can be by loving her, by leading in that way that when your wife submits to you, it's just a reminder of how diligently you have to be seeking the Lord in leading your family. It's not a if she does, then you should. That's only a reminder because this command, just like I said for the ladies, this is between you and God. Yeah, it's how you treat your wife, but it's between you and God. And so if you have any issues with any of that, if it's something I said that you don't think's in here, happy to talk to you. If it's something that's said in here, you know it's said in here and you don't like it, talk to God. You really need to because it's the way it is. Um, So with all that, I do just want to read the uh, end of that 
passage in 1 Peter where he says in, in chapter 3, to sum up, all of you be harmonious, sympathetic, brotherly, kind-hearted. And I think brotherly, we can assume that's brotherly, sisterly. Uh, brotherly, kind-hearted, and humble in spirit. Not returning evil for evil or insult for insult, but giving a blessing instead. So, I just want to kind of loop back around to all this is about how we relate to God. That's, that's where it all has to come from. That's where all it all has to head towards. And it's just how we do it with what people we do, what things, that's the fine-tuning. Because it's to sum up all. It doesn't say to sum up husbands, to sum up wives. It says to sum up all. So that's what we all have to do. So just uh, I'd ask you to pray with me for a couple minutes. and uh, or Not a couple minutes. I'll make it short. Our Father, you are, you are good and faithful. And uh, Jesus, to, to lo- show us your love, to show us about humbling ourselves before one another, about putting the other person first. Lord, whether we're a husband or a wife or a someday to be married or never married or anything like that, that these pictures are, are there for us, there for us to see you, to know you, to experience your greatness and your love and, uh, and our response to it and what that could be. And I'm just really, really thankful for all these things and ask you to bless each one here that if I've said anything that was offensive, that wasn't your word, Lord, that, uh, that there would be forgiveness. And um, Lord, but that if there are things that challenge us from your word, that it would be things we dig into. And uh, don't set aside, but we really, really seek you out. And uh, thank you for these things in Jesus' name.